Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. So we're kicking off a brand new series uh, tonight, and we're calling it Church on Fire. And we're going to learn how to be a church that makes an impact. How to be a church that makes an impact. We want to see really the characteristics that make a church on fire and that make it a long-lasting and impactful church. Um, and we got to recognize that God is doing something in your life. God is doing something through your life. But then together as the church, and the church is uh, it's bigger than what happens here, and it's bigger than what happens on Sunday morning there, and it's bigger than what happens on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights up at Calvary Melbourne or Sunday mornings up at Calvary Melbourne or any church in our community. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than, like, us the, the Church of Jesus Christ is not Calvary Chapel, whatever, or, or, or St. Helens, or whatever it is. The Church of Jesus Christ is bigger than that. The Church of Jesus Christ is the body of believers that have relationship with God. The, the church is not a place, it's a people. And, and people, God wants us to have an impact on the world around us. And we're going to be looking in the book of Acts, learning what made the early church so impactful. Because what you have to understand about the Bible is that when Jesus showed up on the scenes some 2,000 years ago and he collected 12 guys that rolled with him and then he sent those 12 guys out with a message and this message was, was bigger than a place or bigger than a people group. It was about God coming down to earth so that humans could have right relationship with him. And he started with these 12 guys that ended up telling their friends and their friends and then random people and this thing just began to take off and grow. And here we are 2,000 years later is a part of what was begun what what began in the book of acts and now we are it's sort of our turn the church has been going on for 2000 years and now it's your turn like it's your turn to be the church and to continue that message on so what do we do how do we become a people that make an impact on the world around us. Now, the book of Acts is really our connection between the teaching and life of Jesus and how we're supposed to live. Without the book of Acts, we don't know what the church is supposed to do, what the followers of Jesus did when he wasn't with them, and then who the major writers of the New Testament were. So, like, if it went Matthew and then jumped straight to Romans, we'd be like, or excuse me, it went like John or the Gospels and then went straight to Romans. We'd be very confused, like, who's this guy Paul? Like, what's his story? And, and what does it look like on a regular basis to walk with Jesus when Jesus isn't there? So, so the Gospels, you see life for the followers of Jesus, like, literally following Jesus. Like, Jesus would wake up in the morning and be like, all right, guys, we're going this way. And like, all right, we're following Jesus. But our day, like how we live, we don't have that. Right? Jesus doesn't shoot you a text in the morning and like, all right, we're going to the beach today. All right, cool. Meet you there. 10 sound good? I was thinking 930. All right, we'll see you then. Like, no, no, we don't have that. And so the book of Acts shows us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus without physically following Jesus. Are you understanding? So this is such an important book for us because the, the book of Acts, it's, it's kind of interesting because it ends really abruptly. Like Paul, who's one of the main characters who we'll meet in a few weeks, but he's in jail and things are like, people are visiting him and he's trying to share the gospel and then it just ends. 
They're just like, all right, book of Acts done. And you're kind of like, well, does he get out of jail? What's happening? What's going on? And, and part of the reason is because the book of Acts, although the book ends, the story continues because we're, we're living the book of Acts. We're, we're living the church continuing to expand into the world and, and, and beyond. And so the church, we need to understand, is God's plan A for reaching the world and bringing his kingdom to earth here and now. And a healthy church is going to make the impact God wants it to have. So this morning as we kick off, or this morning, where am I? The, tonight, I never teach in the morning. Like, never teach in the morning. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, my message title is this. The purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is the title. And my first thought, we're going to jump right into it, is what is the church? What is the church? Now, Jesus was the first person in, in, in the New Testament to use the word church. And he said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Jesus speaking to the apostles, he says, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he, and he introduces the idea of church. Now, church is not a building. Church is not a building. It's a body of believers united under one belief. The church is it's not a building. Like, we go to church, but, but you have to understand, like, you don't just go to church. Because we are the church. Like, the body of believers, the people that unified in one belief is the church. So it's not a place. It's, it's a people. And the book of Acts then tells us what a church is supposed to look like. If you look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, things, I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit, and we'll get there. But this is like the church is now going. And this is what makes up the church. Look at Acts 2, verse 42. It says, and they, this is the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possession and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. So we get a little like look at what the church was, was doing and what the church's focus was. We'll break it down like this. It was, it was a group of people centered around, we're told, the apostles' doctrine. In other words, the word of God. The, the church was centered around the teaching of the word of God. We're, we're told, second, that they were all about fellowship. Fellowship is like a church word for saying hanging out. Like hanging out around the things of God. So they were all about the word of God. They were all about hanging out around the things of God. Then we're told they, they broke bread together. The idea of that is not just sharing a meal, but it's about doing life together. That it's about going through every day and having experience and, and realizing that like church is not just something we show up to and then leave. But it's, it's about taking it everywhere we go and, and being invested in one another as we live our life together as followers of Jesus. So it's about doing life together. It says that they were all about prayer to God and they were all about praising God. So the church, to summarize, it's about the word of God, 
The teaching of the word of God. It's about hanging out around the things of God. It's about not just leaving it here, but carrying it with us wherever we go. It's about prayer. It's about praise. And the church is designed by God for anyone, regardless of background or experience or race or gender, to come and belong and be a part of something bigger than themselves. The church is an invitation to belong to something bigger than ourselves. And we insert ourselves in the story that's been going for 2,000 years of the church of Jesus Christ. It's pretty remarkable to think about that the Bibles that we have or, or the app that we have downloaded is a result of people literally giving their lives so that we could have it. Like we have it, like we can Google it, we can pull it up on our phones. You could find one probably in a room in your house or a drawer in your house. You can find it in a hotel room. Like you can find the Bible anywhere. But the reality is, is that the church, what we are a part of, is something that literally people gave their lives so that we could have. And the church is designed for us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So what is then the purpose of the church? Point number two, what is the purpose of the church? All right, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. It says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Let's pause for just a moment. Because who is Theophilus and what is going on? Now, the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. If you were to guess, do you think there's another book that this guy Luke wrote? Luke also wrote the book of Luke. <laughs> um, now, the book of Luke, it's, it's funny because the Bible names are sometimes confusing because sometimes the na they're named after the author, and then other times it's, it's named after who it's for or written about. So, like, you've got Timothy, which is not written by Timothy. Timothy is written by Paul to Timothy. But then you got Luke, and Luke is not written to Luke. Luke is written by Luke. So it's a little confusing sometimes. Anyways, Luke wrote the book of Luke, and it was about the life of Jesus. You could call it a biography about the life of Jesus. And then it ends with Jesus ascending into heaven. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But then Acts sort of picks up. He's like, I, I finished the, the first part of the life of Jesus. But notice how he begins this. He says, he says the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. But now the story continues. This is part two. Like this is the, the Luke ends with the to be continued. It's like it was like the last Avengers that they did in two parts. And you're like, that's two movies. Like that, what are we talking about? It's like it's one, but it's broken up. That's kind of the, the book of Acts. It's Luke's part two. And he's telling a story about the life of Jesus and the, and the things that continued on. Verse two, it says this. Until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while stay, staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with, Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father had fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, this is pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? So Jesus, he, he dies, literally. He died. He was dead, okay? Jesus was dead. And then they stuck him in a tomb because that's where you stick dead people. Right? Can we agree? Dead people in tomb. And then Jesus stayed there for three days. And then three days later, like we sing about this, we get this, but I think we need to understand this. He was dead in a tomb. And then three days later, he went. (sighs) You're like, whoa. That doesn't happen all the time. And three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead. He exited the tomb. And then for 40 days, we're told, he just kind of hung out. He was like, what's up? They're like, Aren't you, weren't you dead? He's like, yeah, I was dead. Like, huh, that's interesting. For 40 days, he, he, he walked around, and by many proofs, we're told. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that he appeared to over 500 people after he was risen from the dead. So there's 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. So he did his thing, he met people, and then his disciples are like, all right, that was a pretty cool trick, Jesus. You were dead, and now you're not. Like, that was awesome. So are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, like, are you going to make us, the people of Israel, like the superpower of the world? Is that the plan? And he says, no, not really. It's not really up to us to know what's going on. He says, but, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this power is going to make you a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they're like, whoa. And then all of a sudden he goes. And a cloud takes him. Like he's like on a cloud. just like. And then they're like, all right. And, And the story is funny because like if I saw that, I'd be like this too. And we're told they're like this. They're just like. And then all of a sudden, angels show up and they're like, hey, what are you guys looking at? Like, oh, you missed it. Um, Jesus was here. And then he just surfed a cloud out of our sight. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. And they're like, wasn't there something he told you to do? Like, it seems like, move on now. Like, there's nothing to see here. I'd be like, no, there is. (laughs) And they, they, okay, it's time for you to go. Now, Jesus' final instruction to them before he ascended into heaven is what the church is now supposed to be doing. This is our instruction. This is the purpose and protocol of the church today. And we see three very clear things that I want to highlight that is the purpose of the church. 
Okay? The first thing he tells them and he tells us is that we need to wait on God. He says, hey, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you, and we, we need you to go to Jerusalem and wait for that to happen. And then the angels show up, and they tell them basically the same thing. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Do what he told you to do. Jesus tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem because God is going to pour out his spirit upon them. Now, we're going to talk about more in a couple of weeks what that looks like, the outpouring of the spirit. But I want us to see that they are supposed to wait on God's timing. The church is a place for believers to come together and wait on the promises of God. We're all moving somewhere we've never been before, right? That's life. Like, we're moving in a direction. We're going towards a goal that we've never been before. And we're all trying to figure out life and identity and calling and purpose and all of these things. We're all on that journey trying to just figure it out, right? And if anybody thinks they've got it figured out, they're lying to you. Like, we're all just trying to figure it out. And the church is a place where we come and we wait on God. The first instruction for the church is not to go and do something, but simply to wait and trust in God. Now, waiting means that there's something coming, right? That's squid. Shout out. He was like fired up on that point. It's like, all right, finally. That's my nephew. He's a king. He's the best. Shout out, Sid. Anyways, um, waiting means that there's something coming, right? Like if, the, if somebody says, hey, wait here. Like you're, you're assuming that there's something coming. Waiting means that, that what is coming is worth waiting for. Like, if, if somebody, hey, wait here, something's coming. You, you have sort of a decision to make in that moment. Like, do, am I going to wait here and, and because something's coming? And do I believe that, what that, thing, that thing that is coming is worth waiting for? Because if not, I'm not going to wait here. And so we have to realize that when, when Jesus says, hey, wait... I need you to wait on me. Like, we don't like wait because it's not immediate. Like, we like now. We like, we're conditioned to get things as soon as we want them. Like, I want it, and it's here. Like, I'm hungry, Uber Eats. Like, now, I, like, it's now, it's right now. We're conditioned, like, it's the culture that we live in. We're conditioned for now. But one of the realities of walking with God is that a lot of things are not now. In fact, I would say most things are not now. Most things we have to learn to wait and trust. Listen, we have to trust in God that something is coming, and we have to trust that what is coming is worth waiting for. Because sometimes it would be easier and more convenient for us to just say, do you know what? I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm confused about what my next step is, so I'm just going to do this because it's, it's convenient and it's now and I can do it. But what we have to do and what the church is designed for us to do is to be able to come together and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening next. But I am choosing to wait because I recognize something is coming and what is coming is worth waiting for. And so he tells the disciples, hey, hey, I, I know like you just saw all this. It was crazy. But before you go and do, just wait. Just, just, just wait. Can I encourage you, wherever you guys find yourself out, find yourself in life, learning to wait on God 
and allowing him to work things out in his perfect timing and in his way is worth waiting for. Because, because he, he's not lying to you when he says that something's coming, that he has a plan for you or there's a direction. But the church is designed for us to be able to come together and wait. We're waiting. We show up each week and we open up God's word. Why? Well, we're waiting for God to speak to us. We want him to say something to us. And we're hoping that what he's saying to us is, is going to help us where we're at right now do what he wants us to do. And so we need to learn to wait on God. The second thing he tells us is to depend on God. Jesus tells us that we will, he says, go, wait. And then he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now listen, we all have access to the Spirit of God. And he is described in the Bible as a number of different ways, as a comforter, as a corrector, as a purifier. But here, it is what empowers the follower of Jesus to walk with God and be used of God. The Holy Spirit is, is who equips the people of God to be used by God. Because God wants to use your life to make an impact. And sometimes we think that in order for God to, to make something of our lives, we need something to offer God. Like we think if, if God's going to make something with my life, I, I need a skill. Like I need experience. I need, I, need, I need to have all the answers. Like if God's going to use my life, like I've got to be like probably at least 30. Like I need experience. Like I, I, need to, I, need to have, I need to have things figured out. But it's actually, it's the spirit of God is actually what makes us useful to the kingdom of God. It's not... Like, God's not waiting for you to learn a trade so that you could be useful to the kingdom of God. God wants you to wait on the empowering of the Spirit, and he wants you to learn to depend on his Spirit so that you can be used by God. Because it's the Spirit of God that's going to open doors. It's the Spirit of God that's going to bring opportunity. It's the Spirit of God that's going to soften hearts. All we have to do is walk with him and depend on him. And what we need to learn to do is, as followers of Jesus, and, and part of the, the, the role of the church is for us to learn to depend on God. It's not on you. It's not on me. Like, the message is not, hey, you have, God wants to use your life, so go figure out what he wants you to do for him. Like, and then come back when you have an answer of what God wants to do with your life. No, we, we learn to just trust in God and depend on God and wait on God and allow him to supply his spirit for strength and open doors and, and, and opportunities to walk with him and to serve him. You will receive power, strength, ability, opportunity through the outpouring of his spirit. All right, final thing we're going to learn tonight is that when part of the purpose of the church is to be a witness of God. To be a witness of God. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when he does, you will be a witness of him. Now, the idea of witness is that you'll represent him. Jesus tells us both the job of the witness and the location of the witness. Um, in Luke chapter 24, this is, remember Luke is that he wrote the, the book of Acts. And it's an ongoing story. And this is how he concludes uh, the book of Luke. Look, look at chapter 24, verse 46. 
he says this, thus it is written that the Christ, Jesus is speaking, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you're a witness of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Sounds pretty familiar to what we're reading, huh? This is what Jesus' instruction is. He says, hey, you're going to be a witness of, uh, uh, of these things. And the things that you're supposed to proclaim is that forgiveness of sins is found in his name. He says, you are, in another gospel, he says it like this. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, the message of salvation, that we can have forgiveness of sins and right standing with God. And Jesus tells us, hey, this is the message. This is what you're a witness of. And Jesus also tells us where we're supposed to take that message. Right? He says, he's talking to the apostles. He says, hey, you're going to go to Jerusalem. That's where they were. That was the city that they were supposed to wait in. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This would be like him saying, hey, I want you to be a witness of me in Vero, or for the Melbourne people, Melbourne, Indian River County, or Brevard County, <laughs> Florida, and then the rest of the world. Like, I want you to be a witness of me in your own backyard, in your house in your classroom, at your workplace, on your sports team, with your circle of friends. Like, I, I want you to be a witness of me right here, like in your, in your hometown. But then I want that witness to, to, to get bigger than that. Like, I, I, want your, I want your county to know about it. But then even bigger than that, I want, I want the state that you live in to know about it. But bigger than that, I want, I want the ends of the earth to know about it. So the, so the apostles got this message. Um, do you think that the apostles took this message to heart and did it? Do you think so? Well, let me, let me just say this. If you are in Israel 2,000 years ago, like the little sliver of land that is Israel, and Jesus says to you, like, hey, um, I want you to go to the ends of the earth and tell people about Jesus. I would think that Vero Beach, Florida is about as ends of the earth as it could possibly be from Jerusalem, right? Like here we are talking about Jesus, talking about forgiveness of sins, talking about the fact that we can have right standing with God, that Jesus died and rose again for you and for me. Like here we are literally at the ends of the earth. So I would say that the apostles got the message. The apostles, they took that to heart and they said, like, all right, like, we're going to do that. We're going to walk this thing out. And they lived it. And now we carry the same message everywhere we go. It is the church's job. It is our job to bring that message. All right, final thing. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Um, here's the thing about being a witness. If you are a witness, you can't not be a witness. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate. I'm going to embarrass myself for a second. All right? Here we go. Okay. Those of you that 
Did anybody not see what I just did? Yes, there's people in the back that didn't see what I did. That's awesome. So if you saw what I did, you're a witness of what I did. You can't not be a witness to what I did. You, you saw me, and like, so next time, hey, remember when I did that push-up on the stage? You saw that, right? You saw that. You're like, yeah, I saw that. I saw you do a push-up. Like, you, if you witness me do a push-up on the stage, you can't not have witnessed me doing a push-up on the stage. You understand what I'm saying? And so if you're a witness of Jesus Christ, if you've heard the message of Jesus Christ, and you've received him, and you've said, yes, I recognize who he is and what he's done, and I want to live my life, and I want to follow after him, and I want to live after him. You can't not be a witness. You are a witness. It's a matter of fact. You are a witness. So as a follower of Jesus, you are the people of God called to represent him. And now we're accountable and responsible for representing him. You're accountable and responsible for representing him. The question is then, how are you doing as a witness? The question is this, is are you a good witness? You are. <laughs> like so, so you saw me do a push-up. Like a good witness is like, yeah, I saw him do a push-up. He had the microphone in his hand and he did a push-up. It wasn't that impressive, but it happened. A good witness would, would recognize it, would be able to articulate it, would, would understand what was happening. And as a follower of Jesus, as, as being someone that has received the message and, and, and heard what God has done for our lives, it is now up to us to be a good witness that waits on God, that depends on God, and does what he's called us to do. You're the church. You are the people of God. And he has, he has given us Hey, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to wait on me. I want you to trust your whole life into my hands. I want you to depend on me. I want, I, I want you to allow the spirit of God, the, the power of God, the presence of God to be in your life and working through your life. And I want you everywhere you go, in your backyard, when you go out of town, on your soccer team, in your classroom, with your family, with your dad on some weekends and your mom on other weekends. Wherever you go, God wants you to be a witness of him. So that, why? So that people can see his grace and his love and his plans for their life, just like he has for your life. 